Welcome to episode 240 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we review State of Origin Game 3. We debate whether New South Wales gets origin. We discuss the Tigers coaching bombshell and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 240 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you doing today? Dr. T, I've finally uh, come down, calmed down from, uh, you know, the, the, the state of origin. Uh, unfortunately, when it doesn't go your way, you know, you need to... You need you need some time to process everything, right? But uh, but look, I think I'm over it, Doctor Say. I think I'm I'm all good now, and um, I, I might be cheering for Victoria next year in the State of Origin. I'd say. <laughs> okay. Well, you never know. You never know the way things are going. It looks like uh, you know, maybe maybe we uh, the the Super League had it right. Maybe they need to bring in uh another country like new zealand or something just to really give more options but uh yeah look that's that's been obviously talked about very recently we've got a lot to get through uh today we've, we're going to review the final state of origin game and the series in total um obviously uh, an epic win for queensland not so good for new south wales a lot of naval gazing a lot of um discussion points that have come out of that and and we're going to talk about a few of them today as well around uh you know does new south wales really get state of origin was there is there a passion difference between new south wales and queensland <laughs> is there you know and is that related then to uh you know some of the the players that uh, we, we talked about even before that uh third state of origin some controversy around players opting to uh to to, to play for other countries, not Australia. And so is that an issue? Um, and so we're going to talk about that international eligibility rules, etc. So, look, without any further ado, let's launch into uh, the sixth tackle, shall we? Here we go. All right, so... Uh, quickly reviewing uh, rounds 17 and 18. Uh, obviously, round 17 was pre-State of Origin Game 3. Uh, saw the Sharks 28 defeating the Melbourne Storm 6. The Rabbitohs 40 to 28 over Newcastle Knights. The Eels 28-20 over the Tigers. And the Broncos 32-18 over the Dragons. Uh, then, obviously, and we're going to talk about uh, the 22-12 victory of Queensland over New South Wales. And then we launched into round 18 just gone by where we saw the Sharks 26-12 over the Cowboys, the Eels 28-18 over the Warriors, the Roosters 54-26, massive thumping of the Dragons, uh, the, the Manly Warringah Seagulls 42-12 over the Newcastle Knights, 
Titans uh, down by the Broncos, 16-12. to 12. Uh, The Panthers, 18-16, a tight one against the Tigers. The Raiders, 20-16, to 16, upset over the Storm. And the Rabbitohs, finally, 36-28 over our much-improved Bulldogs. Tish, uh, you know, let's just, I guess we're talking about two rounds, but really it's the last round where we've seen, mm. uh, well, well, one thing that we can say is uh, Melbourne Storm struggles over the state of origin period. Mm-hmm. And this uh, certainly was the case. We saw Melbourne Storm uh, losing the last two games and that, that makes it, what, three on the trot, four on the trot, I think. Yeah. Three, three on the trot. So... They're not doing too good. Um, but, yeah, that last one, the Raiders against the Storm, uh, you know, Munster was actually back for that game and mm. still wasn't enough. Uh, you know, they had a big crowd there at Amy Park. It was a Sunday afternoon, 4 o'clock uh, twilight game, you know, late afternoon game in Melbourne, 16,000 people. Ashley Klein was your referee. Everything was going the Melbourne Storm way except on the scoreboard and the Raiders, uh, you know, Ricky Stewart's Raiders schooled them. And, you know, it was a tight one, but much deserved, I think. Um, but, yeah, look, my uh, – I guess not so much a highlight, but, um, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that is a highlight or, or the talking point, let's just say, of the last couple of weeks in the mm. NRL is the Melbourne Storm. Uh, they're really struggling at the moment. Um, yeah. You know, and, and – no, I mean not necessarily against uh, weak opposition. They've they played the Raiders and the Sharks earlier, but you know, on the flip side, the Sharks are actually doing. Again, they're the quiet achievers. The Cowboys mm. were sitting pretty high, and yeah. they, they they demolished them twenty six to twelve. And so, the Sharks are the you know are the manly I think of last year. I think they're flying under the radar. No one's really talking about them as being premiership contenders, but they seem to be just beating everyone around them and they're getting better uh, so I think yeah. the Sharks are the highlight as well what about you Tish what do you think well, well look I think uh, ladder analysis I think uh, shows a couple of things which you've pointed out the Cowboys and the Sharks they're both like you know second and third at the moment um, so really good performances over the origin period in the last few weeks and so forth so getting into the run homes which I'm sure we'll be talking about sort of next week and, and sort of moving into the finals they they are definitely two teams that um, are going to be there in the finals and um, you know surprisingly you know going to be um, you know, contenders for the top four. Um, and probably another surprise is, is Brisbane, and they've shown some really good form over the last couple of weeks as well. And, yeah, the the Storm uh, sort of slipping uh, from, from their heights. Um, I think you've seen that with the Roosters this year as well. Um, so, you know, so some of the teams that you sort of always sort of expect to be, you know, close to the top or near the top, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of not going well for them. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, you, you'd probably want to put, well, you know, you'd want to put, well, you know, the Eels, you could say, is that's another t- club that's sort of slipping at the moment, um, similar to last year's grand finals, the Rabbitohs. Um, but the team that's not slipping is the Panthers. Um, so it it always looks like a one-horse race at the moment, Dr. T, unfortunately. Um, that that uh, They just seem to be unstoppable at the moment with only one loss um, for the entire season uh, already into the 17th round. Um, yeah, so I'd say, yeah, so, you know, moving that aside, in terms of the highlight for me, um, coming back to the Rabbitohs, 
I just think the difference Latrell Mitchell is making to that side and the fact that, you know, he's having an impact every game and he seems very switched on, um, you know, Latrell, which is great because, you know, he's not always like, you know, he's, you know, he's always a great player, but sometimes, you know, he, he you know, you could sort of see that he, he, he's sort of distracted, but I think right now he's, he's really focused and, um, and they all of a sudden, I think if they can um, string some wins together, get closer up into the four, hopefully sneak in maybe, um, they, you know, they're another team that I think can, can, can trouble, um, you know, the Panthers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, there's, there's as uh, is typically the case, as we look at the run home to the finals, we, we're getting the sense that there are some teams that are starting to step up and others that are not so much. So I think, um, uh, I think definitely having Latrell Mitchell back, uh, you know, certainly the Blues would have regretted not picking him because he was on fire the last couple of weeks. And, uh, yeah, that, that was a, a tragedy that, inter- well, that we're going to get into later, what went wrong for the Blues, because I think um, Latrell's going to be a bit of an X factor getting into the finals or closing into the finals. So, um, yeah, absolutely. All right. So uh, let's go on to, I guess, the the main the main sort of topic of discussion, which is the State of Origin Game 3 review. So here we go. Tackle number two. So, as I said, the Maroons 22-12 to 12 over the Blues at Suncorp Stadium. Over 52,000 fans uh, watched that game. It was uh, – many are calling it one of the greatest origins of all time. And uh, I've, I'll, I'll ask you your opinion about that, Tish, in a minute. But first, let me just go through um, the summary stats. It was four tries to two. Uh, Valentine Holmes, Kurt Capewell, Callum Pongo, and Ben Hunt uh, for Queensland, and Jerome Luai and Jacob Safiti for the Blues. Uh, a couple of Simbins, Gagai and Burton. And uh, it was actually 12 10, uh, the Blues way at halftime. Um, and at one point, it was actually 12 4. Um, unfortunately, they, they kind of let a, a try slip just on halftime after a barrage of uh, six agains. Um, so they went from 12-4 and didn't end up scoring a point at all in the second half and lost the game 22-12. to um, Tish, before I get into some of the stats that kind of tell the story of what went on, what were your, uh, I guess, high-level summary impressions mm. of... Uh, what's your summary of what happened? Well, look, I think it was... Um... Would I call it like when you when you call it the greatest? I don't I don't think you can call it that, but I think you can call it a high highly uh, like a, a game full of drama, <laughs> right? <laughs> like I think I, I think that was kind of the the main sort of way it, it was certainly a game full of passion, <laughs> right? And um, you know, and, and and sort of a lot of questions I suppose coming out of it, right? Particularly around New South Wales, they they did. A few things differently uh, this this season with their selection um, and and some of the tactics that they had pulled off. And then look, I think on the other side, you know, Billy Slater, you know, winning 
um, this game, his second Origin win. He's now, you know, won a series um, for, for Queensland. And, you know, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, I think, uh, I'm not 100% sure who got the man of the match, but I know, you know, a, a person like Ben Hunt, for example, was, was really influential in this game. So, you know, some... Uh, like, you know, uh, you know, Saifidi as well, you know, he sort of had a very prominent game as well. So it wasn't your typical stars shining uh, game, right? Like uh, the people who made the difference were, pe- were, were, were people that are not really, you know, it wasn't the Cameron Muster making the difference in this one, if that makes sense. Uh, it was it was somebody that wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, a known star, um, you know, and then obviously, you know, um, the Maroons had to change their lineup due to some COVID issues, but like, I think, I think it was, uh, yeah. So that's probably my high level take on it. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Look, I would say, look, I'm just sort of addressing the point that people are saying it was one of the best origins of all time. I do not agree. Mm. It was exciting and yes. it was full of drama. And I think your point is made that it was, there were a lot of like little sub stories, you know, mm. That that lot of incidents, a lot of things that happen, will and we will, I don't think we'll be able able to do, give uh, do it mm. justice in describing it today in this podcast because it was the kind of game that you had to watch. And I think um, in that respect, yes, it was an excite one of the most exciting and and drama filled kind of uh, games uh, of origin. It was extremely frustrating to watch though. There were so many unforced errors. Now, I know that. I know that there's a the the uh, that there's a difference between you know the, the the errors that are caused by the pressure of the Origin Arena and and strong tackles and things like that, but I think I think a lot of people have been uh, looking at this with rose-coloured glasses, thinking that mm. uh, it was uh, you know in terms of skill level and quality, I think it was quite. I mean, I wouldn't say poor, but not as good as some of the great Origin games in the past where uh, literally one or two errors would have been evident and those were th- those errors were the difference between the teams. This was an error a minute at some point. <laughs> like, it, it was... Mm. There were errors all over the place and it wasn't, uh, you know, it was from both sides, but as a Blues fan watching it, I just... Uh, it was flabbergasting to, to see some of the extremely dumb plays um, you know, as I said, a lot of them are forced errors and, and you got to cop those on the chin because that's the, the arena of origin will force, uh, even good players to, to cough up the ball sometimes or make a silly decision. But, um, but the level that we saw, I just saw it was a bit, it was very frustrating as a blues fan, put it that way. Um, my other take on, uh, there's a few other sort of stories that came out of it. As you said, Saifiti. Um, there was a story there with, uh, you know, the, the Blues basically lost the middle just as they did in game one. And so I think what, for whatever reason, the the way they played it, it bore no resemblance at all to uh, to what happened in game two. I, I don't know what happened. They they just lost the plot, <laughs> basically. Um, it, it wasn't held by the fact that some of those errors were caused by uh i guess you could say inexperienced uh origin players talakai in particular had an absolute shocker um you know gave away silly penalties uh you know gave away the ball uh, did the silliest sideways run 10 meters from his try line coughed up the ball you know you just 
you, you can't do that against any team, let alone a Maroons team in state of origin uh, and, and expect to get away with it. So I think there were lots of errors there. There was a lot of debate afterwards about did Brad Fiddler make uh, the right calls in terms of selection. So maybe I'll pause there because mm. uh, there's a, there's a lot to talk about. So I think what I'll do is I'll, we'll, we'll do, I'll, I'll, I'll describe my view on some of these things and then I'll get your view and then we'll just keep going. Yep. There were yep. so many dramas, but let me just stick with that. Brad Fiddler, do you think he made the wrong call with some of the selections? Selection. Okay. So the people, did he, did he have the right people in place to win? Um, well, no. <laughs> okay. Look, so yeah, so so if you're gonna diagnose where did New South Wales get it wrong, was it in selection? Was it in strategy? Um, was it in execution? Or, you know, um, you know, or, or, or was it, you know, there were that it was unfor- unfortunate circumstances. Well, I think the fact that you saw a, a whitewash in game two kind of showed that, you know, regardless of circumstances, New South Wales had a really good team throughout the whole series, right? So I don't think circumstances had it. I don't think they, um, I don't think there was, I mean, there were calls that went against them, no doubt. But um, I, I think, I think the team itself, uh, you know, uh, what, of what Brad Phil, uh, sort of picked for all three games had enough talent in them to overcome any setbacks. So I don't think you could put it down to that. If you go down to execution, well, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure if you if you take a you know average ball speed sort of uh, statistic, I think this was um, uh, it was actually uh, it was actually quicker than game two for New South Wales and Queensland's. It was actually Queensland's slowest. Average play the ball speed for the entire series, um, so <laughs> and that's um, and that's the thing they they yeah they they tended to slow down yeah the play the ball but for themselves <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly exactly very exactly. ironic so yeah it wasn't a yeah. speedy game put it that way exactly so so the thing is the 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 then then you got to go okay so this was a scrappy affair and it sort of played to Queensland's wheelhouse so therefore I think the issue is strategy, right? Not necessarily selection. I think the strategy was wrong and I think um and I think the the selection was kind of based on the strategy a little bit. Um yeah. you know like you sort of heard things of you know we've got Queensland have got somebody tall so we're gonna like you know we can't have that okay he's too short. Do you know what I mean? Um but then you know that play gets injured in in game one I think it was Xavier Coates and all of a sudden you don't pick Adoka right <laughs> right so and then you, you're playing catch up and you know it was like it, and i think that kind of just uh you know it, it was it was sort of you know they they won game two after replicating the same sort of you know double dummy half strategy um and then now it came on to game three and they didn't bring any sort of innovation to their play um and they just didn't play to their ability like they did in game two right it it it's sort of yeah, so execution and strategy really because I don't think they had none. Like um, you know. Um Well, that, well just uh, can I just stop you there? The I at some point I was watching the game and I was thinking, when's he bringing on Damien Cook? Because mm. because I don't think Coruscant was doing anything to get like we were losing the ruck, we were losing uh the middle and I thought that is when you bring in Damien Cook because he was dangerous in game two. He's got the potential. Uh, and 
he didn't bring him on for at least, I, I felt like it was at least 55, 60 minutes. There was no Damien Cook. And I was thinking, what's going on? We need him more than ever out there to get some momentum. And by the time he brought him on, it was too late, I felt. So I think um, mm-hmm. in many ways, I think just Brad Fittler, the things that you would have expected to see, he didn't quite play to our strengths. Yeah. Um, and and that was quite disappointing because I think we have lots of strengths. We played to them in game two. We didn't play to them in game three for whatever reason. And, um, you know, and I think the... I mean, look. Unfortunately, you know, some of the players there was there were changes in the forwards. I mean, we talked. There was all the sorts of rumours about did uh, you know in in between one and games one and two did Campbell Gillard uh, not get selected because of the the Penrith players didn't want him there. You know, there's all those rumours circulating. Well, he wasn't even picked for. You know, wasn't even given a look in in game three when we lost Payne Haas. Instead, mm. they went Jacob Saifidi, who hasn't been set in the world on fire in Newcastle. But then, uh, in saying that, uh, you know, he uh, scored a, a pretty good try. <laughs> you know, like, so that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, there were so many sub-stories everywhere, little stories of redemption here and there. And I think, just on this before I'll hand back to you, what about Ben Hunt? I mean, mm. you go from being the most pilloried, kind of mocked player since the 2015 grand final and you know now the full-on redemption of the way he played he 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 certainly uh i think he scored a 40 20 towards the end uh there was a lot of like little game-changing plays and then that final throw of the dice of cleary with a chip and chase that went straight into benny hunt's hands ran 70 meters untouched, scored the try, won the series. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think it's fair to say he may even be in the running to be the Australian hooker uh, based on his performance. Uh, so he's gone out from nowhere. He's become the leading mm. contender for Australian hooker, which is unbelievable. So, yeah, talk about redemption. Uh, but, yeah, um, back to you. Uh, you know, Ben Hunt, you were talking about other things as well. Yeah. Well, look, I mean... Um... So Ben Hunt and the Harry Grant situation, like, like this this whole series is all about the dummy half and the dummy half replacement coming off the bench, right? Um, and the way you you play them uh, together and, and apart, right? So I think with Damien Cook and Appy Carousel, it's like a straight swap, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, they really play together. Whereas uh, when when Harry goes onto the field, um, they sort of shuffle. Uh, you know, so the Ben Hunt doesn't. Um, he, he played seventy four minutes, and Harry Grant played fifty one. Right, so 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 they so keep them on the field together. Um, so there's like a, a sort of a double attack, but it, that it also they can then utilize Ben Hunt's ability as a as a halfback, um, and he's more of known for being an organizing halfback. But in this game, he was able to play the role of of like the X factor. <laughs> Right, so yeah, um, what we expect. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so they clearly. I mean, uh, it's sort of you probably see, um, you know, sort of as you're sort of preparing for the game, and you know, as you sort of get to know your players and stuff like that, you probably see a couple of things in Ben Hunt's game that you sort of, um, you know, probably you know Slater and Smith and all that as they're sort of you know training him, they sort of see these little things, and probably it's you know I'd say that. You know, he's probably not encouraged in maybe other arenas to sort of do that, or he, or even in his role, he's sort of 
gets bogged down with organization when he's actually got another element to that game. And, um, you know, you could say, um, you know, I think Nathan Cleary is kind of um, at a different, well, at a different level with that as well. But, you know, you kind of see him being a lot of an organizer all the times, but then every so often you'd see the X factor in him. And I think Ben Hunt's sort of got that quality. Um, Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think definitely within the squad for Australia, um, and look, you know, uh, I, I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be Grant and Hunt for the World Cup. Um, I don't think. I think with Cook, um, the fact that he's sort of getting, you know, uh, thirty to fifty minutes now on Origin, um, you know, I don't think it put, puts him in a good stead. I think with Coruscant, I think the fact that he's he's more than likely going to play for Fiji, I'd say, and they need him as well. Um, so I think. Um, I think. That's the way it's going to head, and uh, yeah, Ben Hunt, like you know, he was he was the star, and um, you know, uh, sort of it, it's look. I don't like it when New South when New South Wales lose, and obviously when Queensland win. Um, but Ben Hunt's kind of one of these good guys, right? Like he's he's kind you kind of you kind of get it with him. So um, I think uh, I think congratulations, Ben Hunt. Yeah, I agree. I think it, he's he's not the kind of guy. He's not a grub. He's just a mm. straight shooter, and uh, you know worked hard and hasn't hasn't really you know reached the heights that maybe people expected of him. But I think the thing is he's worked hard, and I think people appreciate a good redemption story, especially when it was unwarranted kind of from early on. But I think uh, yeah, so good on him. I mean, I think he's put himself in in the lineup in you know in in a position to get that. Uh, either number nine or or on the bench for the Kangaroos in the World Cup. Um, I'm just going to quickly, uh, well, you know, let's look at the stats for a little bit to see if it tells us a bit of a story about what happened with the Blues and the Maroons. So possession-wise, 52% for Queensland. Uh, they had at least two more minutes of uh, of uh, of game time, of time in possession, 31 versus 29 Completion rate, 82% versus 73%. Um, that is abysmal for for the uh, for the Blues. Um, you talked about the play the ball speed uh, faster for the Blues. Passing, 18 offloads to 9 for Queensland. Um, dummy passes, 33 to 8. So, obviously, the Blues fell for dummies a lot more than... Uh, mm. You know, than 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 the Maroons. Very interesting kicking game. Now, I think the kicking game was, uh, you know, a lot of people spoke about how tactically the kicking game was, uh, you know, really the the points victory there for the for the Queenslanders, and and the stats sort of bear that out a bit. We've got 820 meters kicking meters versus 579, so they they made more wow. yardage it, with the same roughly the same number of kicks. Um, although the New South Wales Blues forced three dropouts, but one of the key stats here is, uh, well, there's a few key stats. Kick defusal, um, the the Maroons had 58% and the Blues 33%, which, again, is abysmal. And we had, at one point, I remember thinking, we've we've gone back to the uh, the Mitchell Pierce era of uh, mm. State of Origin, where we would just do bombs and hope for the best, and eight bombs, right? Eight one, bombs versus like yeah. one, and and it was so predictable and so boring. Mm. And this is what I mean by I don't know what we were thinking. I don't know why we didn't think to change it up. 
yes, we also had eight grubbers versus four, but I would say those grubbers were uh, were in in an obvious situation where we wanted to force the dropout, and we did three of those uh, times. So I think, you know, you kind of expect when you're close to the line and you're not penetrating the line to do a grubber and try and force a a, a, a field uh, like a, a dropout, a goal line dropout, and so I think. I don't really count the stats in grubbers as that much, but the bombs really show that, you know, eight versus one shows that we were very one-dimensional and it was quite disappointing. And a lot of them really led to nothing. And there was only really one Matt Burton sky <laughs> skyscraper that mm. um, that was completely misread by Kalen Ponga um, and it bounced a bit, but it really led to nothing, I think, for us. So I think... Um, you know, kicking game and Daily Cherry Evans, his kicking game was effective. Many times he turned the Blues around, had us pinned in our 10, 20 metre line, and uh, certainly the stats bear that out as well. Um, another stat ineffective tackles, 29 versus 14. You know, at this level, with the game on the line, the decider, I think any uh, massive differentiation between these two teams on a on a measure or a metric like ineffective tackles tells you a lot about what what went on and and it was basically that the the blues kind of had yeah they may have uh, it was a tough game there was a lot of good tackling and good defense but they were not as effective as the queenslanders uh, in defense and that 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 bears that out um and then individually you know it was really ponga versus tedesco um, was mm. the tale of uh, of the game um, Tedesco got the most run meters, 292 versus 262 for Ponga. But Ponga got three line breaks, most line breaks in the entire game versus one for Tedesco. And look, a lot of people were saying that, at, you know, despite the fact, as I said, that the Blues played poorly, I would say, compared to where they should have played, Tedesco was one of the shining lights. I think he tried his heart out. He was everywhere. He was always dangerous, uh, mm. always looking for something, I know. I know. I tend to also say sometimes that when he goes looking for a gap, he uh, he ends up never passing the ball. <laughs> but he actually did a couple of times. I think he en- ended up acting like a bit of a five eighth, which is kind of disappointing because we have Luai there, who's uh, no slouch in that department, and Matt Burden, who um, he can also do that. But they neither of them actually found much happiness trying to link up with the outside back. So, look, there were a lot of things that the Blues didn't do well. Um, and I think the the last, I guess, question that we need to ask ourselves is uh, where to from here? I mean, uh, and we are going to talk about in, in the next tackle whether we get origin, but let's, let's, just, <laughs> let's just talk about the uh, tactically where to from here. Does Brad Fittler get sacked? Do we look for another coach? Do we look for another philosophy? Uh, maybe not the philosophy part. Maybe we'll talk about that in the next tackle. But yeah, uh, what do you think? Where to from here? Um, you know, wholesale changes needed next year or not? Yeah. Well, look. Um, you know, it's, well, I mean, av- availability is probably something we're going to be talking later on down the uh, line as well. Um, so I think there's obviously a long time. Uh, go back to the drawing board. Think about exactly what happened. And I think the main thing that I could see from New South Wales is don't necessarily pick the team based on what you think Queensland's going to do. You know, <laughs> have, yeah. have a plan to beat them that doesn't involve copying or 
thinking about who they're going to select. Just I, I know that sounds a bit crazy because you're like, okay, well, I kind of need to know who they're selecting so I could pick a team to go against them sort of thing. But the re- reality is we have more players to choose from. We have a bigger pool um, of players to choose for. And then, you know, if we're the ones that, you know, if Queensland are picking a team based on how New South Wales have selected, then New South Wales has the upper hand. But I think as soon as we start trying to make decisions based on, Oh no, our, our wingers are too short. Or you know, um, you know, let me just pick teams from the top eight. Uh, players from the top eight, um, you know, who sort of, um, yeah, they're playing in winning teams, but they're not playing like you know teams. They're, they're not sort of, um, you know, having to be forced into uncomfortable situations a lot of the time, right? They're not being tested week in week out with uncomfortable situations where. You know that they, they kind of have to like put in the extra yards, right? So I think I think that's also another little thing that that is about that. Like you know, you sort of saw like you know back in the nineties and stuff. You'd see like players like Dale Shearer come out of reserve grade, right, to play for Queensland. Yeah. But you know, part of the reason why you pick a player like that um, because you kind of know you sort of see the effort that they're willing to produce week in week out, and you want the same level of effort on the field. And I think uh, you know for state of origin. And you know, it just takes a special type of player to to, to do that. And I think, and I think that that's where um, I, I'd say that's that's the main takeaway that I would say from somebody who's never coached Origin, <laughs> right? Giving <laughs> yeah, advice to Brad, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, but but I just felt the uh, I just felt that the um, you know, um, focusing yeah, Coke doesn't care what Pepsi are doing, you know that type of thing. Like, um, you know, don't worry about what they're doing. Uh, like, just focus on what you think would be the best, the best representation of of our state against their state. Absolutely. All right. I think that wraps up our discussion of State of Origin Game 3, but we're going to have a bit of a debate in the next tackle about does New South Wales get origin. Here we go, tackle number three. So um, a lot came out of uh, the that game three, uh, relating very closely to the discussion that we're going to have later about eligibility for international for other for other nations. Um, <clears throat> and so, look, some people pointing out that when you've got players in the New South Wales Blues that have already uh, dedicated their uh, uh, their loyalty to another nation. Um, what does that mean? Does that mean that they're they're going to give a hundred percent for the Blues if they're not even in line? You know, usually the origin is a, a litmus test or a selection for kangaroos. All these things have come out in uh, in debates uh, online and 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 from journalists, etc. And this all came out of Paul Kent uh, from mm. Fox. Uh, is it three sixty uh, show? Uh, where he sort of suggested that, you know, quite frankly, the reason why we lost was not because of our talent, not because of tactics, not because of Brad Fiddler. It's just that Queensland get origin and New South Wales don't have the same level of passion. And so, um, so yeah, I guess I guess the question for us is, uh, you know, do we do we agree with that, Tish? Do we think that that you know what explained you know, what happened this year 
and what has happened several times over the last decade or so um, is a is a difference in the passion uh, shown by the players, uh, and and this sort of speaks to the broader point of, you know, Queenslanders understand Origin. When you say Origin, it's it's about, you know, passion and whatever. Uh, I want to get your thoughts, but uh, and before I give you mine, so Tish, what are your thoughts? Does New South Wales get Origin? Are they are we not as passionate as the Queenslanders? Well. Uh, look, you first got to define what passion is, right? And uh, I believe it's from a Latin word, patoia, which means to suffer. And uh, mm. Dr. T, who has suffered more over the last few decades, New South Wales or Queensland when it comes to the origin? I was going to say Eels fans, but anyway, um, but yeah, <laughs> like maybe... Well, you know, yeah. maybe New South Wales, I guess. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so I don't... I don't think the passion thing is is there uh, as as a for a debate because I think I think New South Wales is definitely passionate about state of origin, right? And I think I think also you saw something where um, the viewership went up in New South Wales, um, you know, every t- every year when they were sort of losing because fans wanted to see them sort of rise to the occasion, sort of thing, right? Um, so I think from that point of view, and like you know, you do see the passion in sort of the older, um, you know, origin plays, you sort of, you know, sort of coming into the team. And I think Bradfield has always done that really good job of sort of incorporating what it means and and, and having that sort of, um, you know, uh, spiritual side of it is probably the, I, I don't know how else to explain it, but, but that type of, you know, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're carrying a legacy type thing and, you know, this is what it means to our state and all that kind of stuff. And, and that, and I think, so, so when you sort of put it like that, I don't think that it is, it, it comes down to that um, at all. I think it is, I think, I think this time around for this game, I think, look, the pattern, you know, you sort of saw, you know, the, the, the pattern is win one, lose one at the moment, right? With, with the, well, with, you know, this series was win one, you know, um, Queensland win the first first one, New South Wales win the second one, and then it goes back to Queensland, right? And then I think last year you had sort of New South Wales win the first two. So I think they kind of um, – I think where what may have sort of happened is that, you know, even after the two-game victory last year, you know, there was like an inevitable sense that we would win 3-0 and then, and then Queensland ended up winning, right? So then there was that complacency. And I think complacency – might have played a part a little bit in game one and then game two, we sort of, you know, we were desperate, but then it sort of crept back in because of the way we won in game two. And I think complacency, it's kind of, I'd I'd put it more down to that. If you're talking about a, the mental aspect of it, um, more than anything. Um, and, and yeah, I'd say, I'd I'd say that's probably the main thing. And, um, so, Tatish, I, I want to ask you something. If you look at it objectively just this this year, we've got – if you look at it from the Queensland – so from the New South Wales perspective, you've got a team that when they lost, we lost – you know, we only lost by a try in game one and we, we were close in game three. However, when we won, we won by a massive margin. Okay. Uh, versus Queensland where – you know they 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 won the tight matches, but then in game two they completely capitulated. Now, in those two scenarios, 
who's showing more passion? The team that uh, that phones it in in game two mm. after after being behind, or the team that is super competitive across all three games. Yeah, and happens to to be be edged out in two of those games, but wins the second one handsomely. How how do people really look at that and say this shows therefore that Queenslanders have more passion? Where was the passion in game two, everyone? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that, is it because you don't like travelling to Perth? Is it that you lift when you're in Suncorp Stadium? Because why did we lift when we were in Perth? I mean, it's not our stadium. So yeah. again, like. The passion argument is, if I'm being completely brutally frank and blunt, is complete garbage. Because if you look at it, you know, objectively, you don't don't even look at. You can give this to a kid who doesn't know anything about the sport and say, instead of New South Wales and Queensland, say Team A and Team B. Team A was competitive in all three games just got beaten in two of them. Team B completely you know, lost their bundle in game two. Who is more passionate across the three games? Yeah. To me, it's clearly New South Wales. You know, we were in each and every game and mm. we were just edged out in in one, probably unfairly in game one. Uh, and and I think in the third one, I think we we were there were too many errors. And part of that could be tactical, as we said in the last tackle, or it could be that that you know, in many ways, it could be there's too much passion. Maybe they were too passionate. Some of the the young players, they just didn't know how to control their, their themselves, and their emotions, uh, yeah. led to too many errors. And that's another way to look at it. I mean, look, if people want to get into the passion argument, um, you know, there's plenty of of counterfactuals there that we can bring mm. to the table, and that's one of them. That if anything. All the evidence points to New South Wales being more passionate and wanting to win even more. But yeah. it so happens that when it counted, they couldn't execute. And that's a different yeah. thing. You know, maybe Queenslanders are better trained at yeah. high pressure situations. And I think if anything, it's not a passion thing. It's a how do you control your emotions when the stakes are high? Yeah. Uh, you, you may want it equally as much as the opposition. But it's about who can control themselves, who can face their fears, who can dig deep. Uh, that's not a passion thing. That's more a, you know, in many ways, that's like a muscle, mem- mental muscle memory thing. Yeah, um, and it's well, a, you we'll, can train yourself into it. So yeah, yeah. Well, we'll just highlighting your point, right? So uh, looking at it like that, you you could also say that New South Wales know how to win big, but don't know how to win when it's tight. You know. And they were missing, um, you know, they were missing that 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 player that sort of likes to to win the clutch moment, right? Because um, that's definitely who Ben Hunt was in Game Three, right? He was the the uh, you know uh, the, the the clutch player uh, yeah. sort of thing, and yeah. we were missing that. And uh, you know, that's where Turbo and Latrell and the Fox come in. <laughs> you know, those are the type of players, right? They don't necessarily. Give you your Brian Toho meters, but you know when you need a good finish, you need something to work in the game for you. You bring them on, <laughs> you know, yeah. and uh, they might throw. And, and you know, like uh, a Walker is a is a similar sort of player like that, right? Where he could throw the the wrong intercept, and I think we also had Maloney there too, right? In, in a few years, but they'll throw the intercept pass to lose a grand final. But they could also set up, you know, the magic try to win a grand final. 
and it's the same sort of aspect in Origin. And we just, we went for more, you know, uh, we went for a different tactic. We didn't go for that type of team, you know. And and unfortunately, this is the consequence of that, is that you don't have anybody that really can can be that player that you look to when it is tight. Like, I think New South Wales did suffer from that a lot. And, um, yeah, but that's, I, I think that's where, yeah. So, so, yeah, I think we're both in agreement here. Like, the passion thing, I think, is it's really... Uh, yeah, I I don't know how you could really say that. But yeah, I mean, how do you how do you even judge passion as well, right? You know, like <laughs> what is it actually like? You know, I think I think it's just a, I think it's just like um a way to. Uh, it, it, yeah, I think like, we need to put all the state of origin players on Love Island, and <laughs> and film them. Yeah. I think that's a way to test their passion. But look, uh, Tish, you were saying about the players, and I think I just wanted my final comment is around, you know, a lot of it has to do with not necessarily the Blues don't get origin. There are some things that Queensland does better that we, we, uh, we I think we are very open to admitting as New South Wales fans. And one of them is, we talked about in the past, it's the loyalty to players that have got, done the job in the past. Mm. You know, Queensland... Would you be able to fairly look at the Queensland side that that took the field and say there's someone missing here? This is not the best team that they could have fielded. No. There's no way you could look at the Queensland team and go, you know, why can't we ring up, you know, someone who's sitting on the couch watching this and should be out there instead of these blokes? Not one that Mm -hmm. I could think of. However, for New South Wales... You know, we had that question, Latrell Mitchell. Mm. We had a few others uh, potentially that could have and should have been there. And then you've got the final one, which is around, you know, there's an injury factor as well, which, yes, uh, Queensland didn't have Munster. But there's a pretty crazy stat about uh, Tommy Turbo that came out after this game. In the last four, I think it's the four years that he's played State of Origin, uh, that he's been eligible and since he debuted. When he uh, played uh, during the Origin Series, we won. New South Wales <laughs> won. When wow. he didn't play, we lost. And that is a one-to-one correlation. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure I saw that. And uh, look, some people are saying, what does that mean? You know, I think it's pretty cut and dried. I mean, we've said this in the past. In fact, I thought that Munster was as important to Queensland you know, we talked about Kronk being important to Queensland and when he wasn't there, we talked about what's Cameron Smith, uh, his role to, say, the Storm, you know, when, when he wasn't there in the grand final in, I think it was 2007 uh, or 2008, I think they got flogged by Manly 40 nil or whatever it was. So there, there are some stats that you can look at and you can say, well, this clearly shows that when this player is playing, we win. When when he's not, we don't. So that's another aspect as well to throw into the randomness of of why New South Wales did or didn't win uh, or didn't win this year, this year. And the other thing was, um, yeah, so the loyalty thing I think also plays a factor. And I think selections, back to selections, as I said at the beginning, I think Freddie was uh, quite rightly... Um, you know, questioned about his selections of uh, in game one. He reneged on a couple in game two. Jake Trebojevic made his return and he was a star in game two. But Adokar was not selected. And Adokar has done nothing wrong in origin. 
and 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 I guess the question, and this is where I think I do concede that Queenslanders do this better than New South Wales, which is we don't necessarily ditch a player who has performed for us in origin. So, you know, Queensland could easily have given up on Dane Gagai um, given his club performances. He's out of form, hasn't really done much this year. But they know that the minute he puts on a maroon jersey, he never does, you know, it's the style of game that suits him. He never puts a foot wrong. And and I think that's, uh, I think Queenslanders do that better than New South Wales. I think we are too quick because we have too many other options, too quick to just give up on certain players and say, all right, this player is deserving of a chance. And I think Queenslanders, by the very nature, they don't have the number of players to select from that New South Wales does. It makes it a lot easier for them to just stick with the players that they've got. And that builds camaraderie, that builds a sense of loyalty, both directions. And I think, yeah, Queenslanders do that better. Does that mean that they get origin? No, I think it means, like I said, they've got a smaller pool of players to choose from, which means you can have a much more tight-knit group. And guess what? Tight-knit group is probably what you need over and above anything to win in origin. So I think the nature of the fact we've got too many choices in New South Wales means that we we have constant selection uh, questions and battles, whereas Queensland never, ever has that uh, as a problem. So I think that doesn't mean they get origin. It means that origin, the way it's all set up, is uh, is better suited for uh, the the their style of play and and the the kind of players that they have at their disposal. But anyway, that's my final view. Tish, do you want to have a final word before we move on to tackle number four? Yeah, I think um, just pick the best team, Brad, and the team that uh, <laughs> they can win. And uh, you know, like uh, just uh, look at at Ocar, like you know, ten. Origin games, eight tries, right? Uh, pretty good statistic when tries are uh, tries are a premium at Origin. So I think it just it just makes clear, clear sense that you do something like that. So, yeah. But let's uh, you know we've got to wait till twenty twenty three for for um, you know to see how you know the the next the next installment of State of Origin. You know, that's right. Well, you can't. What you can't say about Origin is that it's not interesting. <laughs> because it it is clearly even the debates that we've had in the last few weeks around these things, you will never get this watching, you know, the you know, rugby union Tour de or, France. Tour de France. You know, you'll never you may get it watching Wimbledon. That's a different thing. <laughs> but that's just because of curiosity. <laughs> um but yeah, anyway. All right, let's move to tackle number four. Some big coaching news for the Tigers. All right, so in the last week, we've had some mammoth news for the West Tigers. They have tried their best to get the uh, the the much sought-after Cameron Seraldo. They have been unsuccessful. They've tried to get all sorts of coaches to uh, replace Michael Maguire. And what they've done is they have uh, – the tactic that they've, <laughs> they've employed – 
has, I think, surprised just about in everyone, which is why we're calling it a bit of a bombshell announcement. Mm. Um, what they have decided to do, and I'll, I'll state it very plainly, and I'll throw it to you for your comment as a Tigers fan, they have gone back to the future. They have gone back to <laughs> Timmy Sheens. Yeah, Timmy Sheens is going to be the coach for the next two years, 2023 and 2024. He will have next to him... Benji Marshall and Robbie Farah as his uh, assistant coaches, among among others probably, uh, but those are the two main ones that have been announced. And then from 2025, Benji Marshall will take over as head coach for another three seasons. And yeah, look, what are your thoughts on that on that uh, bombshell announcement? Yeah, well, it was. Um... It was, uh, look, it was a wow thing, right? When you hear it, you think, wow, <laughs> right? And um, particularly after Benji's stunning performance as a winner of Celebrity Apprentice, and here he is as a NRL coach a- a- apprentice for like two years. <laughs> exactly. um, and then look, uh, so, so look, well, you know, okay, so Michael Maguire, <laughs> just break out that. Michael Maguire, you know, he was the coach. They bring in a head of football coach, Tim Sheens. Uh, Tim Sheens gives him six months. Um, you know, he sort of denies uh, any speculation that he would actually end up being the coach. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then so uh, they they get rid of Maguire. Then Tim Sheens, you know, they, they, they just, they sort of fail to get who they want. Um, and then so they just go for Tim Sheens to sort of coach the team. But then, look, I mean, like, that wasn't, and people, like, you know, I think a lot of people sort of looked at it and thought, oh, that's really not, you know, they, they, they do see Tim Sheens as a great coach and everything, but they also sort of see him as Wayne sort of Bennett a little bit, right? How, you know, where it's like, well, he's also, you know, you could, you can't see his best coaching days ahead of him, if that makes sense. But then bringing in this element of, you know, teaching Benji and teaching, uh, you know, uh, Robbie as well, because uh, Robbie Farrow is also an assistant coach for the next few years. Yeah. It's, uh, look, it's out of the box. You don't sort of really hear about this at all, right? Like, you know, that this is what's going to happen. But uh, it's it's interesting how this is all going to play out. And, um, you know, Benji's actually quit his job, uh, you know, running a, a talk show. Uh, like, you know, he's got a talk show on Foxtel, which is, uh, which is no longer going to be around anymore because obviously he's got this coaching thing. Uh, apparently he's been uh, snooping around Parramatta, uh, you know, Parramatta and uh, talking to Mitchell Moses's uh, thing. And, you know, and then, and then like, you know, they're talking about this where the Tigers are a very unattractive club. Uh, I think they're ranked 16th out of 16th of clubs people want to go to. Um, but suddenly when you've got the great Benji Marshall as your potential coach um, in the future, all of a sudden people want to, be a part of the team, right? So, um, and then so he's sort of bringing in that pulling uh, factor. Uh, there's news that Scott Prince wants to get out of his Brisbane contract as their NRLW coach to join the West Tigers who will have an NRLW team themselves. Uh, Kamali's got COVID. Um, you know, the sort of interim coach. Uh, sort of feel sorry for him a little bit. <laughs> Because oh, you no. kind of felt that he had a bit of a chance as well, but you know, but 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 there you go. But I think it's going to be it's going to be fascinating how it's going to play out. I, I will say this: like with Benji Marshall, right? Like, I mean, I was you could 
yeah, like watching the Celebrity Apprentice thing, there's a lot of things he kind of um, he, he kind of surprised you a lot. Um, particularly when he was out of his element, he was able to find a way to to sort of um, uh, get him like get his team to win. It was it was kind of um, bizarre how he's able to do that. And then so I, I just thought that he he is that sort of I figure he's that kind of guy where um, you know any situation he sort of feels that he has some, he could do something about it to sort of change it. And I think that's why he was such a great player. And I think having him now as, as a West Tigers coach, and I think really being able to teach these young kids how to do that, I think that's great. I know that Tim Sheens, what he's really keen on the most is not necessarily attracting new players, but really um, bringing in this new generation of West Tigers um, juniors who have been doing really well in lower grades. And really, and I hope that they do have that focus because I think that's where long-term success for the Tigers are. Having two nurseries um, that they have in terms of, you know, Southwest Sydney as well as, you know, Inner West Sydney, you've got, you know, those two, uh, pl- you know, pull a place to breed from. I think Tim Sheens has also organised a couple of, like, group – I think it's group eight or group nine or one of these ones where – they are sort of um, investing into their future there as well. So getting country rugby league players in um, and getting them to the level. And I think um, I think Benji Marshall uh, and Robbie uh, as well, I think they could do a really good job in helping these younger players get to the top. Um, and I think that's um, – and, and Tim Sheens is the master of it, really. So um, I think I think – uh, I think it is the right move. It's just, yeah, it's just the way they've done it. It's, uh, it's, it's hard drama once again, isn't it? Um, you know, you, you see like a headline like that. So uh, I've got to say, how does I think Shane Flanagan? He's he's not going to get a job anywhere, is he, Shane? <laughs> well, it look, doesn't look like it. Well, there's quite a few very qualified NRL coaches that are not getting a look in, mm-hmm. and it seems like the decisions are being made to go for untested mm-hmm. coaches. I mean, Benji. You've got Cameron Seraldo, the roommate, is going to get uh, the Bulldogs gig. Andrew you know. Webster is yeah, the Warriors coach. Yeah, and so these are all coaches with zero NRL experience. Oh, uh, Andrew Webster has coached the Tigers. Has Andrew twice. Webster coached before? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when they sacked Taylor and and uh, oh, okay, but, but when we're talking, I'm talking say Benji and Seraldo and and certainly mm. others as well. You know. Instead of like we were talking about, you know, what about Paul Green? What about um, Shane Flanagan? What about, you know, and I know Tigers are going with Tim Sheens, who is obviously one of the best coaches of all time and and has done so much for this club. But, but yeah, very, uh, very interesting that the trend seems to be going for the younger untested coaches versus those that, uh, you know, look, what's what Potter is doing at the Bulldogs, as an example, what he's done mm. since uh, Barrett left, um, you know, it's disappointing in a way that he won't be given a chance or he may not be given a chance to continue that legacy and, and to try and build a, a squad because he certainly has shown that he's able to turn turn around their fortunes very, very quickly. Um, you know, they were competitive against the Rabbitohs last, last round, even though they lost. And yes, they're not perfect, but they certainly are improving. And they're again, it's the co- the competitive nature of it. I just my final comment on the the um, uh, Benji Marshall situation is I, I I think I heard on the weekend uh, on the radio they were um, 
there were some comments that he made, and I think it was taken from a television interview. So apologies, I don't know the exact nature of, of the interview and who it was, but basically the, Benji was asked uh, to sort of, um, you know, give, give a bit of a spiel about what, you know, what he sees as his... Uh, what he brings to the table and and what he thinks of the, he needs to do to turn the tigers around and he spoke quite passionately but also intelligently about about the what what's gone wrong at the tigers and what they need to do um to to bring players that that sort of are passionate and and also you know there's some bits and pieces that, that he sort of talked about uh, you know what was missing and one of the things that when they played that, um, the commentators on the radio were like, "Wow, that was that was a hell of a pitch <laughs> to to get <laughs> other players, and it was a lot of passion and 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 they were sort of saying, "Look, you know, why wouldn't you want to play for Benji Marshall as a coach? I mean, he's he, you know he's intelligent, you know he's got the runs on the board, one of the greatest players of all time, and 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 he speaks so passionately about." people coming to the Tigers and what the Tigers, what kind of philosophy he wants to bring as a Tigers coach, make it an exciting kind of, you know, bring back the excitement of what the Tigers used to be in a way, reignite what they had when they won in 2005. And Mm. I think in my mind, I think if I wasn't really sold on Benji Marshall until I heard that. And then I thought, wow, this is actually like, no one's questioning you know, if no one questioned Billy Slater in uh, in State of Origin with zero kind of like I wouldn't have picked Billy Slater as coach material compared to say a Cameron Smith, but yet there he is coaching the Maroons. Why would you question Benji Marshall, who is known for being having an exceptional footballing brain? He's shown mm. in his and in, in his analysis on as a commentator and an analyst how intelligent he is and in reading the game and, and, you know, he's a, and, and he's got the kind of passion that can draw people into him. He's got the charisma, you know, he's got the makings of being a great coach and without putting a a jinx on him, I think he's definitely, that's what you need at the time. It's exactly what you need. And this is why I thought, you know, as much as it was a bombshell announcement, I think I've heard enough and I've seen enough uh, about what Benji is all about that makes me think this is probably, you know, yes, it was a left field choice because we didn't really think about this, but it was probably the smartest move that the Tigers could have made because I don't think they'll go wrong. I don't think he will fail. Certainly he won't, he won't be a dud coach that that will bring nothing to the game. I think, I think he will bring passion. He will attract players. Um, all of that is positive for the Tigers. Uh, Tish, last word for you. Well, look, and then on the other hand, you also got to realise who is going to mentor him? You know, the guy that got Penrith to their very first final series, right? Um, And then sort of ended up losing to Penrith after Phil Gould came in, right? Um, The guy who gave Craig Bellamy his start as an assistant coach. Right in Canberra, right, and took Canberra to their first premierships, right. Um, where Ricky Stewart, who went on to play, uh, w- w- you know, as a current coach in in the NRL uh, and has won a premiership, was um, you know sort of under his his sort of wing too, right. So, you know, there's there is the coaching tree that sits behind Tim Sheens is is probably one of the most greatest. Mm. Um, po- yeah. Probably, I mean, 
I, I think, I mean, you could, it's probably rivaling uh, Wayne Bennett, right? Like, you know, because Wayne Bennett's also got that sort of tree happening. But then you also got to realize that Benji's got an incredible relationship with Wayne Bennett, right? And has learned a lot through, through, through Wayne. And, and Wayne was the coach that was sat beside him during his retirement announcement. Right, um, so you've got somebody who sort of has had a really close relationship with probably two of the greatest of the top five coaches that the NRL's ever seen. <laughs> yeah, and and now he's being mentored by one of them um, with with you know um, somebody who's always got, had his back in Robbie Farrell, Right, so uh, that's that's a pretty incredible um, support system and I think Benji's talked about you know sort of um you know just just not necessarily making them great football players but also thinking about making them great human beings and I know that kind of is all cliche and, and people don't you know think about that but but the idea essentially being is that um the less distractions and drama people have outside of their rugby league career the better they're going to play on the field <laughs> Right, because exactly, they're going to be more yeah. focused, yeah. yeah. And and you you seeing that with young players already, you know, you know, players, um, you know, getting early releases because they've got, you know, some sort of family orientated issue that they really can't deal with, right? Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then unfortunately, you know, their career suffers. As I mean, it's it's not that black and white. It's all complex, but but you, but you think about all those sort of things that he he understands. Um, you know, and then, and then, you know, you could just see that there is a really good glimpse. Um, but he's also playing. He's also got also got to remember the West Tigers do have a reputation as, you know, for killing coaching careers. So, <laughs> so, so it's still fifty so, fifty is what you're it's saying. It's still fifty fifty, right? So, so. Oh, yeah, you so had me there just until that last comment. <laughs> I was all on board. I was about to sign up to be a Tigers recruit, <laughs> and now you made me question myself. <laughs> oh, there you go, there you go. So yeah. Oh, fair enough. All right. Well, good luck, Benji. And yeah, well done. I think the Tigers look, it's a bold move, that's for sure. And I think uh it's a bit of a risk. But I think uh, you know, if you're gonna risk it on anyone, risk it on Benji because exactly, you know, as you said with Tim Sheen's there, there's so many reasons why this will work that if it doesn't work, I'd probably be surprised uh, if it doesn't work so well done tigers um let's move on to tackle number five here we go all right so this one is about international eligibility which is again in the spotlight so we did talk about last time Questions around Brian Tor and others who are going, who you know, who announced that they would be uh, playing for a country other than Australia, and and uh, at the end of the season uh, in in the World Cup, and a lot of people, and I did say at the time, I think the Queenslanders will use this against New South Wales in the media, and certainly um, a lot of people took that bait, including certain journalists, Paul Kent and others who uh, made made everything about Brian Tor and really, I think, disrupted the Blues uh, before that Origin Series. But 
post-Origin, there has been another announcement. Victor Radley has come out and said that he wants to nominate himself to play for England at the end of the year. Uh, England, he, his, his ties to England are through his father who uh, came to Australia when he was 14, when his father was 14, and obviously Victor Radley was born in Australia. And he wanted to play for his father's homeland. Uh, he's got some ties there, obviously, very strong ties. Mm. And he's probably also making a calculated guess that he's probably not going to make the Australian team. And so he's probably thinking, I want to be part of a World Cup and this is an opportunity to do so. And I think um, the reason why I raise that again here is I just wanted to sort of point that out, that this is an example of where, uh, you know, up until this point, we've been seeing some of the Islander boys, especially from New South Wales. We talked about Coruscant playing will play for Fiji if given the opportunity um To'o Luai for Samoa um you know is there anyone else that I'm missing there there are others Mm. possibly um and and I guess the questions have come up you know unfairly I think from uh some Queensland people online talking about how you know again relating it to the New South Wales doesn't get origin and they're not as passionate as Queenslanders uh red herring um wherein I then pointed out i think last time as well that people like chris Hyington, you know played for england despite being born in australia you know um there's plenty of examples where say adrian lamb uh you know png national but played for queensland and is considered a queensland great you know you've got tony carroll brad thorne who played for new zealand and australia in both well in brad thorne's case in both codes rugby union as well as rugby league so he chopped and changed many times no one seems to question that and so there's there's a lot of um you know potentially is there even someone potentially this year in the lineup for queensland that that has potentially divided uh yeah, could potentially have a divided loyalty. And I guess the question has come up as well recently, um, what do we do about this? Um, is it a problem? Is it an issue? Uh, what what do we need to do about the international eligibility rules? Um, Mal Meninga has come out quite sensationally and said, I, I have no problem with, uh, with, you know, people wanting to play for Queensland or New South Wales and then later deciding that they want to... Um, yeah, you know, play for the 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 country of their heritage. That's not an issue at all. And I think, um, and then Cameron Smith has come out and said, you know, we need to clarify the situation. It's a bit confusing. Um, why don't we just make it that if your, you know, state of origin is seen as a as a, um, uh, like he's saying potentially this could get. Uh, to a situation in years to come where, you know, half of both New South Wales and Queensland teams are made up of players that are going to end up playing for another country rather than Australia. What does that mean for the integrity of the game, et cetera, et cetera, uh, of origin and, and of the international game? And uh, so, yeah, he's he's raised the question of, well, why don't we just make it an Australian? You've, you've got to nominate yourself to be an Australian uh, contender. Um if you want to be in origin. So again, debate all over the place and without sort of laboring it too much, I guess uh, the question I want to ask with, to you, Tish, is let's look at Mal Meninga's comment around, you know, you should be able to play for both. If you're born in Australia and you follow, uh, fall under the rules of origin, 
feel free to nominate for origin and and play but then if you also are eligible to play for another country and that's your your right and your choice then so be it that that should not preclude you from playing state of origin i tend to think that that's i tend to agree with mal meninga don't always agree with mal meninga but mm. i think that, that is a sensible thing if in 20 years from now 50% of both Queensland and New South Wales teams are made up of Pacific Islander boys who are devoted to their nation of heritage. I think so be it. <laughs> you know, origin is origin. It's not necessarily a litmus test or, a uh, you know, a uh, like some people are saying, well, it's just going to become a glorified all-stars game. Um, what is origin? <laughs> Isn't it an all-stars game pretty much? Mm. It's the best of the best. That's what they keep saying. So really, it is the best of the best of people who are born in New South Wales or born in Queensland and are eligible to play for them. I think regardless of where they're from, uh, you know, where the heritage is from, I think I'm happy with that. I think you are, you should be entitled to play both, uh, you know, state for the state of your origin but also for your heritage nation if you choose to do so and that should not preclude you from playing for the blues or origin i don't think i don't i don't think you could look at say luai or to'o and say geez these guys aren't as passionate as the rest of the blues no way um and i think uh you know they're born and bred in mount druid or wherever and you know they're local boys and and they will play their hearts out for New South Wales, and I think we saw that as well. So, anyway, that's my view. Tish, what's your view about uh, can you solve this problem in the next few minutes? <laughs> okay, well, I just want to go back uh, on something a little bit here. So, right now, as it stands, you're allowed um, – so, you know, you can play State of Origin, um, and then you're allowed to also declare your allegiance for, you know, another country – as long as they're not a tier one nation and the current tier one nations is England, Australia and New Zealand. Right. Um, and the, the decision to add, I think it's Tonga uh, is, is the one that they're going to talk about, but they may even talk about some more to bring out world goes that's going to happen in December. So as it stands right now, you can declare your allegiance to Samoa and also place that of origin um, and Australia and Samoa can both pick you and you then get that decision of where you want to, play right so that's 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 there that's the rules isn't it embarrassing that you have somebody as decorated as cameron smith uh telling the world he thinks that's confusing like you, you know that it, it's pretty like uh, uh, what's confusing about that like you know like um other than um other than like an opinion that other than it just doesn't agree with, you know, what you want it to be. Do you know what I mean? Um, which is like, you know, just being a, a trial match for um, for Australia. But then why turn it into a series if it's just a trial match for Australian selection, right? Um, so I, I just don't think that um, – I just don't think that holds water that it's confusing the way it is. Um, Victor Radley hasn't played Origin – at all. He was selected in the squad. Um, if he was chosen, then obviously he can't pick himself. But, you know, the fact that he d- didn't play um, allows him to make that decision. Again, not so complicated. And I think I – and look, uh, as much as I, I – I do agree with what Mel Meninger is saying, right? I, th- I think it um, – I think eventually we, we do have to go 
down that path. Um, but he also, you know, is a little confused as well because, you know, um, I think he said um, something like, I know he'll be great for England and their chances. He can't ca- come back now for New South Wales, but I'd be happy for him to play for England and New South Wales. So, yeah, so Mal Meninga kind of gets it too, right? But the fact that he's saying he can't come back now and play for New South Wales, well, he's never played for New South Wales, Mal. That's the whole point. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, that's why he could do it. So, yeah, um, but, but, but Mal is open, and I think it does need to be open because State of Origin itself is uh, something they changed in 1979, right? So it wasn't always like this. It's only been around for like you know 40 odd years now right so um you know eligibility changes right you know in those days it was it was they made it state of origin to where you originally you know were from as opposed to where you currently play um because the interstate games were just like you know the best players in new south wales versus the best players in queensland and it didn't matter if you were from queensland you'd still play for new south wales if you were sort of playing in new south wales so and then they changed it to just to state of origin so you can change it again. It's it's okay, right? Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's not going to put it this way. It's not going to bring petrol prices down, is it? <laughs> you, you know, it's so, one way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the reality is, it is just going to mean um, that we will have more top line talent to choose from. Both. Uh, both states will have more top line talent to choose from, and you know, as long as the uh, the players themselves, um, you know, uh, appreciate the honour of playing for Queensland and and New South Wales, you know, if they sort of uphold that whole um, significance that 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 these jerseys have, then I don't think that there's anything. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with making some changes. <laughs> yeah. That's all I got to say. Yeah, and look, my, I guess my final word is that I think if you, you, you're right to go back to the original reason for why State of Origin was born, which was people wanted to and connect with, you know, players who play for, play with meaning. And, mm. and the meaning in this case is, you know, it makes no sense that you are representing a, a a state that you that happens to be where you are professionally playing. It's nothing to do with what your where your heart is, and I think that's why it means a lot. And that's why I think you know, obviously Queensland, uh, you know, the the rest is history. If you look at what happened with Origin, um, I think it's a winning formula and a winning concept for that reason because it's it connects with people. Uh, people appreciate that it's it's about players playing with meaning. It's, yeah. it's a different level of, you know, club football is you, people connect with the club, and but players come and go. You know, they get sold, and it's not about the junior thing. It's a, it's about who who you buy in next year, and and it's not really the same. Um, yeah. Whereas a represent a truly representative thing is at state of origin level. At international level, then, I would argue, why can't people see the same argument here that maybe, maybe some players who happen to have been born here through happenstance because their parents came here for economic reasons or for, refu- you know, they may have been refugees mm. or to escape 
poverty or whatever or to look for a better life. They happen to have been born here. And at some point when they're adults, they decide I'm, I connect more with my ancestral homeland rather than the home, the, the, the nation where I was born. You know, that doesn't mean that I, you know, in some situations I, I don't, I'm not as passionate about certain things. It just means that if given a choice of countries to play for, I want to choose the one that represents my family and my bloodline and my tradition. How could you argue against that and then at the same time argue for Queensland and state of origin as a concept? In my mind, all you're doing is applying the same concept of you you can choose to play for your country of origin in terms of your ancestry or whatever because it adds more meaning. And I think if you can't argue for one and against the other, I think in my mind they're both virtually the same thing. In fact, maybe what we should do is instead of calling it an international or a World Cup or whatever, call it nation of origin. <laughs> just just extend yeah. the concept to nation of origin. Yeah. And that way that will make total sense to people. Yeah, well, well, I mean, um, you know, if we're going to go that far, I mean, the reality is um, the New South Wales Queensland border is a an arbitrary line on the map. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and you know, a nation of origin, as you're talking about, that comes down to ancestry and DNA evidence of who you can represent a little bit. Like you know, you could go down that extreme too. So. Exactly. Um, b- but you know, but at the end of the day, yeah, as you said, it it, it comes down to um, yeah, pe- people under yeah, people connect uh, with with the international game because they see players um, connecting with their culture and being proud of their culture and bringing it out, and and then you want to watch it, even if you're if you're if your culture or the country that you barrack for isn't playing, you still like to see uh, people represent you know, their, their own nations. And then in the same way, um, origin, you got people representing sort of the, the community they come from, right. Which is, which is, uh, which is awesome, you know? Um, exactly. yep. yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I think that's, a uh, that, th- that's great. So, well, there you go. We've solved it. Nation of origin. It. Nation of origin. We should call it from now on. Peter Volandis, get onto it. Let's change the rules. Call it nation of origin. Everyone will get it. All right, let's go to our last tackle, our tips. Here we go. Sorry about that. All right. All right, I love our tips, uh, our, our little tips jingle there. Gets me excited for the week ahead. Look, let me quickly go through the uh, the amount that we've got right in the last two rounds. So I got um, uh, a total of 11 in the last two rounds, and you got a total of nine. So that brings me to, for the year, 103 and you to 102. So we're still kind of neck and neck in the tipping comp, which is good. Um, let's move on to round 19. Uh, obviously, we're in the home stretch for the finals. Only about seven or eight games to go. What, what is it? Six games to go? Five or seven games to go? Um, let's launch into it. Uh, so not knowing what the score is tonight, Eels and Broncos. I'm tipping the Eels. 
Tish? I'm tipping the Broncos. All right. Dragons v Manly. I think Manly is uh, on fire this uh, this last few weeks, so I'm tipping them. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I think Manly have got this one in the bag. Knights versus Roosters. Now, Roosters have done very well recently. They're out of the top eight, but Newcastle has not been very impressive. So, I'm tipping the Roosters. Yeah, I'm tipping the Roosters too. I think um, Newcastle, they just can't wait for the season to be over, I feel. I think so, yeah. Um, Raiders v Warriors. This will be an interesting one, but I think the Raiders off the back of that win against the Storm, I think they're they're trying to get some momentum going. So Raiders will win that one. Yeah, I think the Raiders too. And um, I don't know if they've... uh, I think they're still mathematically able to make the eight. So yeah, Raiders, I think, have got more incentive to win this one. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're in with a, a fight there. Panthers v Sharks. This will be an interesting one. Uh, not quite top of the table clash. I think uh, if I if I'm correct, I think it's one v three at the moment potentially. So as close as you can get to a top of the table clash. Um, my tip is the Panthers. I think the Sharks. This will probably be the Sharks' best opportunity to knock off the Panthers. Mm-hmm. But I think the Panthers are, will be hurting a bit after Origin. Some of their players, they've had a bit of a break, some of the players, yep. and now they're going to come back with a vengeance. So I'm tipping uh, the the Panthers. Okay, well, I am going to tip the Sharks. I believe they're five in a row now. Um, wow. So I think this is uh, I think this is theirs. Rabbitohs versus Storm. Uh, Saturday night game at Stadium Australia. Look, I don't know how many more the Storm are going to lose, and I think I would be crazy to bet against them, uh, against their bouncing back, and I think they will bounce back. So Storm are going to win that one. Yeah. Um, I think I'd be crazy not to uh, to tip against Latrell Mitchell. So I'm going to go for the Rabbitohs. Well done. Bulldogs versus Titans. Uh, I think the Bulldogs, despite um, you know what we said earlier and all the speculation about the coach, I think the uh, the Mick Potter will get them over the line. Yeah, I think uh, I think the yeah I'm going to go for the Bulldogs. I think um, I think yeah Mick Potter's doing a great job and uh, uh, look for more pottery coming out of <laughs> Combank Stadium. <I> <laughs> All right, finally, Cowboys and Tigers, a rematch of that epic twenty, uh, sorry, 2005 grand final. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, I think the Tigers will lose this one, and uh, I can't see them beating the Cowboys for mine. Yeah, a bit of a reunion, right? you got um, Todd Payton, um, Tim Sheens, Benji Marshall, Robbie Farrar. I'm going to tip the Tigers. It's uh... Oh, he's passionate. Yeah. <laughs> Good on you. All right, put you down for the Tigers. Let's see how you go. And look, that's it. That ends our podcast. We had an epic one today. Thank you so much, Tish. We uh, covered so many different topics, and we're glad to put the Origin series behind us, put it that way. And let's look forward to the final series in NRL. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Over to you, Tish, to wrap this one up. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We are your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.